Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Show your good side to the world and get rewarded. Become a plasma donor at Griffles and receive up to $800 your first month. You'll help save the lives of millions of patients. Learn more at grifflesplasma.com. Here's what's cooking on today's Sports Stove Podcast. We're looking at the NBA as we head into the NBA playoffs, and we're bringing on our friend Parker Ainsworth to chat with us about it. That and we'll get into some fun conversations NBA-wise as well. That's what's cooking on today's Sports Stove Podcast. From Belly Up Sports and the Belly Up Podcast Network, you're listening to the Sports Stove Podcast with your host, Vince Stover. Welcome in to an all-new edition of the Sports Stove Podcast. And today's episode is presented by Shocked Energy. Go to shockedenergy.com and use the code STOVE. You get 10% off your purchase. This is a low-calories, zero-sugar energy drink. Just what you need. Watermelon-flavored or green apple. Shocked Energy. Again, shockedenergy.com. And use the code STOVE for 10% off your purchase. Today, we are talking about a topic we don't talk about a whole lot on this program, and that's the NBA. And to help us do that, we're bringing in our friend, the Belly Up Basketball Head uh, Department, Department Head, I guess, uh, and host of his own show, FN Sports Podcast, the one and only Parker Ainsworth. Hey, Parker, how you doing? <laughs> doing all right, Ben. You doing okay today? I'm doing well. Got through the weekend and uh, trying to get excited about the new week, you know, just not hard to do in order I get. But. <laughs> yeah, Monday morning comes a lot earlier every year. I don't know what to do. <laughs> it sure does. It sure does. But, uh, of course, I look forward to Monday nights because now we have the NLFA football games we broadcast on Belly Up TV. And uh, Monday night I'll be joined by Andy Sire and uh, also Jason Cooper uh, for the Monday Night Mayhem. And so that brings a little bit of excitement to my Monday, but nonetheless, here we go another week. But uh, we've come to the conclusion of another NBA season. And you know, Parker, I don't remember if it was the last time I had you on or the time before that, but I kind of talked about the idea that I, I have lost uh, a lot of enjoyment in the NBA. Now, when it comes to the playoffs and the finals, I'm all in. Regular season, I just kind of sit back, let it happen, and and then and then jump in at the playoffs. I used to be a massive Phoenix Suns fan uh, growing up. Kevin Johnson, Charles Barkley, Dan Marley uh, stuck with them through the kid and the Nash era, and uh, Dan uh, Dan Anto- Dan Antonio, all those kinds of things. 
was great. Went to games in Milwaukee, caught, caught the Suns, went to game in Phoenix and caught the Suns. Um, then, I don't know, as an adult, I kind of transitioned. I, I moved to Indiana for a few years, so I was like, well, I got to cheer for something in Indiana. Uh, so I, I started <laughs> cheering for Pacers a little bit. Um, that was in the Paul George, uh, the height of Roy Hibbert days, uh, those kinds of things. And now I live in Lexington, Kentucky, and it's all about college basketball and professional basketball. It's just kind of cheering on the Kentucky kids versus really doing much else. But you still follow the NBA, and you follow, <laughs> and you're not that much younger than me. You are you are younger than me, but not that much younger than me. Uh, what is it about the NBA that still holds you there watching NBA games? Oh, I've just always been uh, in a weird marvel of like just the pure athleticism around it. Um, whether I was a kid, so you mentioned like in the nineties watching basketball, like I was born at the time when like, like Michael Jordan was the thing. Right. But I guess like I was probably too young to appreciate it. I, the first guy I remember being like, Oh my God, about was like Vince Carter flying through the air. Right. Like, um, <laughs> and so we still have guys play through the air, uh, the jump shots from a little different spot. And it's, but it, I still get caught up in like, Oh my God, about athleticism. You mentioned your Kentucky guy. I think the athlete that makes me do that the most these days consistently is Bam Adebayo. I'm always mm-hmm. like, how is a guy that big doing those things? Um, and so, you know, I, I, I find myself approaching, appreciating that. And then as I've gotten older, like I coach basketball, I'm a teacher and coach. And so like, there's part of me that gets into what are you doing here? What are you doing there? And those kind of things. Um, sometimes college basketball is better for that too, but you know, <laughs> um, it's, it's, that's, that's it's just been great. a lifelong thing. Yeah, that's a great point because so uh, I'm stepping into a varsity head coaching position this next season, and I've been kind of watching some different things and trying to figure out, hey, guys, if you're going to watch somebody, here's a good person to watch, right? And the NBA has changed and whatnot, but there's still a lot we can take from it. And I've had to pay a little bit more attention because of that because the guys I'm going to be coaching, they said the guys they're watching. And so it's like, okay, well, here, if you can take something good from this, Kyrie Irving, for instance, I'm, I'm not a huge Kyrie guy. Uh, but I, I mean, I respect his talent among all else. I mean, he's a phenomenal basketball player when he plays and, uh, and when he's out there and that, granted, none of the kids on my team can do what Kyrie does, but I look say him and Nash, if you go back and watch how they control the game, uh, how they don't get stuck, um, they kind of dribble through things and, and they keep the ball alive and keep things going. Those are kind of the two guys that I focused on for my ball handlers. But that being said, it's hard for me. And I think part of it, though, is another thing you brought up, Kentucky guys. They have not won championships in Kentucky, and they go on to the pros, and they have these great careers, and I'm sitting there going, why didn't Calipari <laughs> do anything more with them in their time in Kentucky? So I'm just a bitter basketball fan, ultimately is what it comes down to. I'm bitter <laughs> about so many things. <laughs> For sure. Uh, I will say that, it, you know, the Kentucky guys – not to not to be pessimistic. They spend about eighteen months in Kentucky. <laughs> like yeah. they're just not a big window, I guess, to win a lot of titles in in those twelve to eighteen months. But um, but no, it it's a it's a fun game. You mentioned like Kyrie to Steve Nash. If you tell a modern high school kid to play like Steve Nash, they're gonna be like, huh? Yeah. <laughs> like, yeah. like you gotta have a, a Kyrie Irving or a Chris Paul or a guy to throw out there that you know is a little bit more just plays now because they don't know guys that retired in 2010 or 2012 or whatever. True. There's a, you know, this is off, off the beat a little bit, but the guy that I saw live that I thought was the most impressive basketball player I've ever seen doing things on the floor was Jason Kidd. And that's back when he was in Phoenix 
And I just, the athleticism that he had, you don't think of athleticism totally when you think of Jason Kidd, but he was back then, I uh, was so fast. He was making baskets in the weirdest spots, um, just so aggressive and everything like that. And of course, now he's back to coaching, head coaching again. And, uh, but, you know, there's, I'm, I tell my kids, my kids are 13 and 10. And I tell them, you know, go watch, go on YouTube and here, type in these names. <laughs> because. <laughs> I like them better than I like some of the guys <laughs> right now. But there's a lot of talent in the NBA right now. You mentioned kid coaching, and we do need to get to talking about playoffs and end of seasons and so on. But the kid coaching, I was like, huh, that's a weird fit in Dallas. I guess, you know, he played on that 2011 championship team, and he played on Dallas actually one for one stint before all of that. The thing I think I liked about him in Dallas is he was so strong as a basketball mm-hmm. player that he's got Luka playing some back-to-the-basket as a guard type stuff that, you know, I think kid can relate to being, he wasn't six, seven, like Luca is, but like right. can relate to being stronger than most mm-hmm. guards and, and how that interacts with this game. Um, we're going to do playoffs and, and stuff in a, in a moment, I'm sure. But Luca ha- has kind of taken that step in his game this year. And it's an interesting, like Jason kid played that way 15 mm-hmm. years when he was really, you know, young and running like, you couldn't put a normal point guard on him. You had to put more like a Scottie Pippen or whatever on him because he was so big and strong. And and I think that that's translating into how he's coaching Luca now. It's really cool to watch. So it sounds like you're a little surprised maybe with the success that Jason Kidd has found so far in Dallas. Obviously, Luca is one of the greats in our game right now. Um, but are you surprised with the amount of success they've had so far? Yeah, and, and I think obviously uh, we could all talk about how they struck goal with the Luca pick because even <laughs> – even if you know about like all time great rookies and all time great early in the career players, like Luca is a head and shoulders above the, the most of that kind of conversation, right? Like Luca steps in as a difference maker and bluntly can, can win you a playoff game right away kind of guy. Um, he's six, 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 seven, thick bodied point guard with the ball, uh, can give you a 40 piece here, triple double there, whatever you need. Um, I, I really thought maybe I, I was not impressed that Jason Kidd's coaching tenure his first couple stops. Uh, and, and so I guess I was like, huh, like, I guess there was some talk about Carlisle and him not, and Luca not gelling, but like, you want to get the guy that didn't work out in Milwaukee and like, how is that going to work out? And people, to be fair, people smarter than me were like, oh, but he was the one that saw Giannis as a point guard. Uh, and so he was the, like, he deals with big guards. This And like, I, I don't mean to sound like I'm making this up out of thin air. There are certainly people smarter than me that would have seen it coming. I just saw him as having, meh runs in previous places and i was like i luca's gonna want to sign a big contract in a minute and is he gonna want to sign on with a franchise that's kind of got a meh guy running the show um and and to be fair they they are i guess record wise they're they're theoretically not a whole lot better but they feel more built for a playoff run they also uh, you know they made the big trade with porzingas at the trade deadline mm-hmm. and i think raised some eyebrows there and i think long term they broke one questionable contract to the best into two, not great, but like contracts you can deal with. And it's easier to move two smaller contracts like that. They're like, eh, than one giant one. And so we'll probably see more roster development in the off season and before next trade deadline and so on. Um, but on the whole, what that's really done is now it's, it's the Lucas show. Like there's no question about, you know, deferring here, finding someone else's spots there. When Spencer Dinway gets in with the second unit or Jalen Brunson gets in the second unit, 
they get to go too. But when Luke is in the game, it's it's his show, and it's a really really cool thing to watch. Um, I do live in Dallas, but I'm not a Mavericks guy, so <laughs> I I feel like I've been sucked up by the buzz for sure. Um, <laughs> it, he's he's a fun watch, so it's a fun fun watch. So it's funny because you know you're in the area, not a huge Dallas fan. Uh, I do a fantasy baseball show with Kevin Wilson. He lives in Texas. He's not a fan of any Texas teams, <laughs> so, but you are. You are a fan of Texas teams, just not Dallas. Uh, yeah. So, <laughs> yeah. Um, I'm going to have to have my kids listen to this because they've asked me a million times, Dad, KP for Dinwiddie doesn't make any sense. <laughs> and I'm like, there's more to it than that. Uh, but it's coming from their dad, so they don't care to listen. So uh, we'll see. You, we'll you're on to something there, though. You're on to something. <laughs> uh, let's talk, before we get into playoffs, let's talk about the teams that didn't get into playoffs, and mainly so it's the Los Angeles Lakers. Their big three right now is LeBron, who's aging, uh, AD, who can't stay healthy, and Russ, who hasn't been a productive team player in a few years, in my opinion. And But I did not expect them to be the 11 seed in the West this year. Uh, no matter what was going to happen, I felt like they had enough pieces in place that, that they were at least going to be in the playoffs. And to not even make a 10-man playoff blows my mind for a team like, like the Lakers and for a guy like LeBron who's been in the playoffs so much over his career with the exception of only, what, a couple times, and to not be able to make it with the, with the roster that they have this year I would assume you're surprised, but you follow the NBA closer to, uh, than I do. Are you surprised the Lakers didn't make it in? I, bluntly, yes. Um, so I would have always assumed they were making it in. Um, and, you know, I think I went back and double-checked the tape because I was like, what did I say? I don't want to be contradictory. On my FN Sports podcast and basketball preseason stuff, I assumed they'd make a really deep run and have a shot at winning the whole thing because they would make roster moves because if watching LeBron for 17, 18 years has taught me anything, it's he will make a big roster move. If he needs, he will tell the office, as I should say, to make a big roster move if they need to, because he did that in Cleveland. He did that in Miami. He did, he did that the first run in Cleveland. Like he's just always done that. Um, and then they didn't make that move. And so I don't mean to be like, I was right. I promise. Cause like I was wrong. I thought they'd make that move and, and they didn't. Um, but I certainly still would have thought this is one of the 20 best teams in the NBA. Um, right. You know, LeBron missed some time that hurt. Davis missed some time. Like Davis has only played 40 games. That's not quite even half the season. That hurts, right? Um, I I also think, and, you know, we can get down to nuts and bolts on the Lakers in a second too. The big thing when they won it all in 2020 in the bubble was Anthony Davis shot the three-point shot at about a 39% and change clip. And he's down to about 34. I know that doesn't sound like a big difference, but when you also then have like Russell Westbrook on the floor, who you don't want to cover out there, and you don't want to clog up the lane with a big like, I don't know who else they had Dwight Howard for a series. Like you don't you, you know you don't want to clog up the lane because that's all Russ does at this point is attack the rim. Um, Carmelo Anthony is kind of their sixth man. He's like 37 years old. Like things start to fall apart all of a sudden just because like you feel less worried about leaving Davis open from three than you did in the bubble. Um, to be fair to Anthony Davis, research has shown that several guys saw boosts in their shooting percentage in the bubble, with, where there was no crowd noise or a clear line of vision or whatever. Um, the bubble, I think, was unique. Um, but that little window has, has, you know, when he's on the floor even, made him less effective. 
at the end of the day, this all falls to LeBron. And I, I know you've got LeBron takes to get off. And I, I'm, I'm happy to sit here and hear them. Um, I, I will, to his credit, say whether it's seeking a scoring title or whatever, like he had games this year where he still looked phenomenal. I don't think he's cooked. I just think he needs more help than he got. And to be fair, he's 37. <laughs> like, like That's the way that goes, you know? I mean, he's no Udonis, but uh, <laughs> Bron. So here's my deal with Bron. First of all, I greatly respect his talent. I, 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 in all the knocking I've done of LeBron, it doesn't change the fact he's he's a great basketball player, one of the greatest to ever play the game. I, I don't think he's the greatest of all time. Uh, I think there are stats that you could pull out that would say, well, clearly he is, but I don't think he is. And I grew up in the Jordan, you know the apex. I mean, it was, it, it was Jordan, everything. Um, one of my arguments is I haven't had a chance to, to spout this off to anybody yet. So here you go. <laughs> one of my arguments is you cannot be the greatest of all time. If you were given a God given size advantage. Uh, so LeBron Shaq, um, uh, even Kareem, they have an advantage unfair in the sense that not everybody can control their size. Uh, it's not their fault that they're big, obviously. So, there is that. And they do things with their size that other guys their size have not not done. Uh, so, again, top five, I'm all for it. But number one overall, I think, is a guy with generally average size in Michael Jordan uh, who did a lot with his game, perfected his game. And competitive-wise, I don't think there's any question that Jordan is more competitive than LeBron. Uh, and and But both of them phenomenal basketball players and far better than me. I like to put Kobe above LeBron. Some of that's just to egg at the LeBron people. <laughs> but um, again, I think Kobe's competitive. His mindset was better than LeBron's. Uh, but LeBron knew how to handle what he had, right? I mean, he knew he didn't have to be Jordan in many cases <laughs> to get uh, to the finals and uh, even sometimes to win the finals because of some of the players he had with him. But Jordan had Pippen, Rodman, others. Uh, Kerr and Paxson both played big roles in championships too. So they all had good people around them. Uh, my biggest knock on LeBron is is his mindset in the sense that is he he's a bad GM, even though he won championships as a GM. Uh, he's a bad GM. Uh, he's he's ruined franchises. Uh, well, franchise. He's ruined the Cavs to some degree, but look at them now. <laughs> Cleveland's in the playoffs. It took him a minute, uh, yeah. but they did bounce back. Yeah. So that that's kind of my knock on LeBron. Again, I think he's a great player. The question I have now is. I think it's a cool idea that he plays with his son. I think that's pretty awesome. But is his son good enough to be in the NBA? And by the time that happens, is LeBron going to be good enough to be to be in the NBA? Unless he ends up just going down and being a post player, which is kind of not around too much more in the NBA. I, so I don't know what the game change would be. I, so there would be some swallowing of ego if he wanted to go join a good team. Um, and and at, I'm assuming we're talking a couple years from now, right? Because – Bronny is wrapping up his junior year of high school. He'll be a senior next year. And then theoretically, he'd have to do a year at college or the Ignite or something, unless they really bent the rules to help out LeBron. So we're talking a couple years from now, right? Yeah. Uh, at 39 going on 40, I'd imagine LeBron is taking a secondary role on whatever team he's on to get a chance to play with Bronny. And frankly, like, kudos to him for trying to do that. Uh, I, I think the, as of the other day, the rankings might have updated, but it looked like Bronny was ranked in the like 43rd or in the, in the top 50 in his high school class. And sometimes those guys do go pro really early. 
some times they don't. Um, that, that's kind of like it's not the clear cut. Cade Cunningham was you know number one overall. It's not you know or, or whatever, right? And so I'm, I'm like you. There will be some team that drafts him as a G League kind of guy to then become. We can have LeBron on the team. Uh, to be fair, like Utah just did this with Zaire Wade, Dwayne Wade's yeah. son. Like this is not unheard of. Um, yeah. It's just unique that he would also be able to play. I want to I want to throw one thing out there though. You say LeBron is not a great GM. Okay. <laughs> Outside of drafting Lamelo, like what has Charlotte done? <laughs> like, That's true. That's like, you true. Know. But the difference is Jordan did it after his playing days. Yeah. yeah. Versus LeBron doing it in his playing days. So Jordan's ruined two franchises in Washington <laughs> and Charlotte. But um, but he's done it on his expense. Uh, whereas, <laughs> no, he, he financed the whole thing. That's very true. <laughs> so, so LeBron, on the other hand. He says, hey, bring in my guys, uh, go ahead and pay them, and then I'm going to leave, and then you're going to be stuck with Tristan Thompson and with uh, Kevin Love, and it's going to strap you. And then listen, LeBron had a reason to have a grudge (laughs) against the Cleveland Cavaliers, their owner. Um, But at the same time, it's like, you know, and again, what he did in Miami wasn't all him uh, at all. That was Dwayne Wade. That was Pat Riley. I think everybody was in on that one. Uh, but then the stuff in Cleveland going back, you know, was it wise to not to not keep Andrew Wiggins? Sure. I mean, I think they could have been fine with Wiggins, too. I think Wiggins would have been a better player had he had LeBron around him. Um, but that being said, and then he goes to Los Angeles. They went in the bubble. Uh, everything worked out smoothly there. But I still think that had they kept the guys that they had in Los Angeles, Julius Randle, uh, Brandon Ingram, uh, that that group of guys. I think they could have been really, really solid for a number of years because LeBron does make the team better. Um, but he didn't want to play. I don't know if it was the young guys or he had specific guys he wanted to play with. He made his moves and and it it set set Los Angeles back a little bit. And to this at this point, I mean, again, they're not in the playoffs. Um, I don't know how badly he wanted Russ. Uh, obviously, he was okay with it. Uh, I would assume he wanted it, but. You know, there are other guys out there that could have helped the team far better than Russ, including guys that they let go, like Alex Caruso. Um, you know, honestly, who would have thought Alex Caruso is better than Russ? But at this <laughs> point, he is. Certainly more valuable in a different role. I, I, I think the other thing is the, the big Westbrook move was they elected, it appears, if you're reading between lines on Sham Sharani and those guys, that they chose Russ over Buddy Heald, who feels like more complimentary in a weird way. The, the yeah. Anthony Davis trade, I think you bring up is interesting because Randall and Ingram have both had at least one all-star caliber season since leaving the Lakers. And it's like, huh, like I wonder how that would have worked out. Um, the difference I think is, is like you mentioned it. There just aren't LeBron's guys. Like LeBron has his guys and it's the same way that you had, uh, you know, they had Caldwell Pope on the team for a while because he and LeBron are tight. Like, it's great to have a great friend. Um, I, I don't know if that's necessarily, you mentioned bet being a bad GM, if that is the best long-term strategy um, for, I, I feel like the gift and the curse of getting LeBron James is you will win a title. He's won a title for three franchises. You know, across, like if you get him on your team, you got a really good chance and will probably win at least one championship. But like you mentioned, when he leaves, the teams have fallen apart. I, I, I think the Miami thing would have gone differently had Chris Bosch and had that weird blood clotting issue and been able to play. Yeah. Cause then you would have still had Bosch and Wade in a diluted of 
worked out. And, you know, it didn't, so it, it didn't work out, and they bottomed out. Um, Wade actually leaves for a period of like eight months and then comes back. Like it, it, it sh- shook out funny. Uh, it certainly feels like the LA thing, you know, not who knows if LeBron were to leave this offseason, they'd be awful, right? Like theoretically, right. they would, he'd have to force his way out because he does still have time on his contract. Um, but theoretically, they would be very bad next year without him because he was scoring, I think he averaged over 30 a game this year, right? 30.3 per basketball reference, I guess. Uh, the and they didn't win a lot of games with him getting 30. So I, I don't know how you'd replace that um, to be any good next year. They've given away all first round draft picks basically until like 2027 um, to form this roster. So I don't know. They, like we said, they can't even draft Bronny. So <laughs> like, I don't know how, how they get better in the draft. Um, as a Houston Rockets fan, we asked them if they wanted to trade Russell Westbrook back for John Wall because we weren't playing Wall. We might as well not play Westbrook, and they didn't want to do that. Um, yeah. I don't know. I don't know what they're going to do. I don't know what they're going to do. And the other thing is, too, coaches. I mean, Bron's went through the coaches. With the exception of Spolstra, you can't survive coaching LeBron. And you know, sounds like Vogel's getting getting canned here pretty soon. And I don't know. I mean, they're saying, what, Doc Rivers might be interested, but – why would you want to go coach, especially at the current state of LeBron? Why would you want to go coach there? If you're an experienced coach and you can get offers elsewhere, uh, if you're a first-time coach, by all means. But <laughs> but uh, is it enticing still to go coach LeBron James? I only reason I could see Doc River. So, Doc, the leak that came out the other day was that they're interested in, A, moving on from Vogel, and B, in Doc Rivers and Quinn Snyder. And I could see both of those guys heading west if their current situation soured. So, like, the Philly thing, it feels like they're building. They got Daryl Morey, who apparently always wanted Joel Embiid. And they have James Harden. Dan Tony's on the market. Like, it feels like, you know, maybe they they, they dump out Doc Rivers up there. Um, so I could see him like, oh, I'll take a job in L.A. You know, I, I don't have a job right now if he were to not be the coach in, in Philly. Uh, in, in Utah... That experiment also feels like it's kind of reaching the, you know, shit out of the pot kind of like, like, what are you going to do about what's happening in Utah? Because they continue to have great regular season teams that get bounced in the first or second round because something schematically doesn't get fixed. Um, it, part of that's personnel. Part of that's not adjusting. Part of that is Donovan Mitchell goes over whatever in a play. Like some of that doesn't work out. Um and so Quinn Snyder may be on the hot seat and be bounced if they lose in the first round. And it's Quinn Snyder's like, well, it's better than no job. You know, I could see those kinds of things happening. I think it's interesting that no one was like, oh, yeah, they're going to go get Budenholzer out of Milwaukee. Or they're not, they're going to go get Spo out of Miami. Like, no no coach from those kind of teams. They're not getting Monty Williams out of, out of Phoenix. <laughs> like, the coaches on good teams are not flocking to LeBron like they might have 10 years ago, right? Because everyone 10 years ago is like, how'd they get this video coordinator guy Spolstra? Like, how is he luck into that job? And now 10 years later, like, Oh, he's a really good coach. Like it, yeah. it worked out. Right. Uh, yeah. Uh, let's get to Snyder. That's an interesting one because you know, the large talk is that Mitchell and Gobert don't get along. Um, I would take Mitchell over Gobert, although Gobert has a lot of value uh, with what he does defensively, especially. Um, but, I mean, Utah, you just said it. They've had a ton of regular season success. They're a good seed in the playoffs again this year. Well, I guess they're in the top half. Uh, you know, are they going to push through or is it really – I mean, I would take Snyder 
on most teams to go to be head coach. He seemed to seemed to do all right there in Utah, but now things have to change, right? If you can't if you can't get past the next step. And we may have lost Parker. He's frozen. We'll give it just a second. He's working. Oh, it might be back. I got you back. Okay. You're muted. Hang on. He's got his, you're on mute. Let's see here. Still working. Let's see if we can. There we right. go. Can you hear me? Yes. Okay. The last <laughs> All right. in Utah, and then I got the spinning wheel of death, and I was like, uh-oh. <laughs> the spinning wheel of death. Uh, welcome to it. Um, Utah, they don't get, they don't get past here. You mentioned it. Um, you know, something has to change. It's not working, but I would love Quinn Snyder to be the coach of any team that I've ever cheered for. I think he's a good coach. He hasn't had the playoff success, but he seems to be really smart, really sharp. And I would assume he'd get offers elsewhere if, if it doesn't end well in Utah this year. Well, and, so you mentioned the roster they've got there. Uh, Rudy Gobert has won three Defense Player of the Year awards. I mean, some of that has to attribute, like obviously part of that saying he's seven foot two and defends the rim and and he's instinctive. But schematically, Snyder does have him around the rim, regardless even the space and pace game where they're trying to move centers away from the rim that you see played. And so you have to think that some of that is also Coach Quinn Snyder. Um, he came in right before they got Donovan Mitchell. And so he's kind of, if you are a developing team, I say that like a Rockets fan, right? If you're a developing team, um, I like Silas, so I don't want to throw him out. But it, you could see him build your guy the same way he built Donovan Mitchell. Um, I I see him getting another job fairly quickly. I don't know what it would be. I, 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 I The LA rumor was interesting to me because it felt like kind of like, huh, that's a guy that's fifth seed in the West. Like, how do they? How are they already talking about that? Um, but you know, I, I think it's the kind of thing where fifty in the West for the whatever fifth year in a row, like that, or being a first round exit if they were to lose because they're not favored as a fifty in the West would be kind of disappointing for where they were five years ago. And it's not disappointing for them this year. It's just that if you look, you know, they made the playoffs in twenty sixteen seventeen for the first time since like they had Darren Williams or whatever. Right. Mm. But then they made the playoffs and lost in the second rounds twice in a row, lost in the first round twice in a row, lost in the second round last year. Like at some point that just, it, it just didn't work. Like you just got to figure out to, to, you know, to get farther, you have to deconstruct, reconstruct with new pieces. And then, you know, as a coach, I say, unfortunately, the coach is the first part of that usually. Right. I mean, that's just the way that goes. Yeah, and you know, I take, go back to the Phoenix days with D'Antoni. I mean, you know, they just tried and tried and tried, and then finally they just broke it all down. And it was like all of a sudden Shaq came in. And I was like, whoa, that doesn't fit the system. <laughs> <laughs> That's a, that was a sad day in Phoenix. Uh, but uh, let's get to the play-in games. You got these teams, Minnesota, New Orleans, uh, San Antonio, all – I say young. I guess Minnesota's not as young as they once were. Um Timberwolves, man, there was expectations for them a couple of years ago to kind of start getting it together. Now you got Carl Anthony Towns playing, still playing super well. Of course, he's a Kentucky guy, so so a big cat fan. Um, and then Anthony Edwards comes in and seems to really give them an energy boost, maybe even a mindset boost in Minnesota. And now here they sit uh, in a seven seed. They're in the play-in games. Um, you know, 
out of these four playing games, play them teams in the West, which one do you think has the most potential to, to make some noise in the playoffs? I like Minnesota because they're young. And I, I think that was, and I guess obviously younger teams out there. Um, but I like Minnesota as opposed to New Orleans because they're also young um, because you mentioned energy at Anthony Edwards. I, I think the truth is they just play with high energy on both ends. They force a lot of turnovers um, because they're gambling. Like they go for steals and they get beat back door when they don't get the steal, but um, they, they, they gamble turnover and press the ball in offense. Carl Anthony towns for, you know, whatever people think of him as a basketball player is truly unique and that he's a giant that shoots five for six from the three point line in the game. And it's not something you blink at anymore. Um, and in a one game sample, they got to play the Clippers. They win their end. Like, like I feel, I feel fairly comfortable with that. Um, we should credit Ty Lue for a roster that has two max contract guys that have not played much at all this season to be sitting at the eight seed, which in a norm, in a pre-play-in season is a playoff team, that is tremendous. Uh, it, you couldn't take the top two guys on any other team off and ex- and reasonably expect them to be a playoff team. Obviously, Memphis actually has done okay without job, <laughs> but the the um the expectation to make the playoffs, I think, is fin- is unreal. And um, I, I think I'd pick Minnesota there. Um, I. <laughs> Popping the Spurs feels like an easy pick as far as winning, you know, can Pop win two games in a week to get into the playoffs? Um, I, I just, maybe it shows my age and, you know, I am 31 and not 21 anymore, but I, I have a hard time picking against Pop. I, so I weirdly would pick them to play their way into and play on up. Um, not that DeJounte Murray is the all-star that Brandon Ingram is or whatever, but I, I do like, I, I, I do like their odds there. Pop is Pop. Um, and you know, New Orleans isn't the New Orleans doesn't have that advantage, I guess, as as far as the other side of that goes. Yeah, I mean, Dejounte Murray, he's no Shea Gilgis Alexander, but <laughs> uh, <laughs> nonetheless, he has I had knew a something season. was coming on that. I knew, <laughs> knew something was coming. Uh, he's had a great season. He's in the playoffs, and SGA is not. So, uh, so be it. There not in the to, West, I mean, not just on a. I would say not to anything that, John, that uh, Shea Gillis Alexander didn't do well this year. It, it obviously had a very individually successful season. It just Oklahoma City's in a very different spot. <laughs> SGA is my go-to on 2K for what it's worth. Um, Phoenix, uh, the best team in the NBA. Uh, they've been playing great. They they are building off of what they did last year. I love Monty as the coach. I'm a huge Devin Booker guy. Um, then you got CP three, uh, as well. They're helping out. They've got a solid bench. Uh, they're deep and, and everything with it last year, they made it to the finals, uh, and they fell there. Is, is this a team that's, are they a favorite? I haven't looked at the odds, so I don't know if they're favorite to win this year. Um, and what's, what's the outlook for Phoenix? So uh, only because we did an odd show last week for uh, FN sports as a deal with my book bookie had them as the favorite um i don't know if every sports book would have that i i have a hard time picking against them to win four out of seven in a given series um the i, I mentioned to the guy i had on that that day uh, thomas christian is another nba writer at belly of sports and we're talking about how i i like them because they feel built like my 2018 rockets were built they have a rim running center they have chris paul 
They have a dynamic scoring two guard and then a bunch of guys that just shoot threes and play defense around them. Like all Mikhail Bridges, Jay Crowder, all those guys shoot threes and play defense. They know their jobs. Um, and like where Aiton is probably better than Capella would have been like the 2018 MVP Harden year, whatever you think about Harden, like that was as good as basketball as he's ever played. Um, so, you know, I can see how that goes back and forth. And then to Thomas's credit, I think he pointed out that I hadn't really thought of is the major difference is that both Booker and Chris Paul do the two dribble pull up in the mid range as well as anyone in the NBA. And in a league where like everyone is zigging towards not doing that, they're zagging and kind of leaning in. And it's kind of, it's a series. So it's not a one game sample, like a football playoffs, but it's like when you have to turn around and play the army in football and you're just not ready for the triple option. You know what I mean? Like, like all of a sudden it's like, Oh, how do we figure that out? You know, and it's a little different um, when you have to. You feel like you've run Booker off the three point line. You feel good about it, and he pulls up from the elbow. And you're like, oh, but he shoots that at sixty percent. Like, I, you know, like all of a sudden it's like the net the math doesn't quite work out anymore. Um, yeah. And maybe that's where the game goes, or maybe that's just where two unique players are. Um, but they're really, really fun to watch. They play great defense. I, I, I don't know if, how many people listening to this or watching this like NBA defense because it's not the 90s where you just wreck people at the rim and that kind of stuff. But the, the Suns play, in the modern sense, great defense. Hmm. Yeah, and you know, you said it. Book, everybody assumes Booker's this, this great three-point shooter. He's not bad, but mid-range, he is he's phenomenal. And I've been listening to all these coaches saying, you've got to get rid of the mid-range. Don't, shoot, don't let your kids shoot mid-range shots in high school. And I mean, if you're open <laughs> and you can make it, shoot it. Uh, Booker, on the other hand, he gets himself open, takes those shots comfortably, and you expect him to go in every time. And Chris Paul, I mean, you know, he's you talk about aging gracefully. Um, you know, he's had his injury issues throughout the years, even last year's playoffs and finals. But I mean, what he's doing at his age to me is is so impressive, especially going back to the God given size. He doesn't have that like LeBron has, but he has done the most with what he has, maybe than any other player in history. And uh, and he is considered one of the best point guards ever for a good reason, I think. He's certainly on a short list of like, uh, how many other, like, if you're talking about greatest players, like 6'1 and under. Right. Cause he's about six foot six one. It like my generation would probably bring up Iverson. Right. Like, like, like there aren't a whole lot of guys, um, that are that type of build, like you're mentioning that have played with any sort of longevity. At, mm. I, this is the sports stove right below our faces is a giant grill. It's the best sales pitch for veganism I've ever seen in my life. <laughs> Beyond meat has just skyrocketed. Right. Because you like Chris Paul. Yeah. Yeah. Definitely. Uh, elsewhere in the West, uh, we need to get to the East, but elsewhere in the West, uh, Golden State, a lot of people thought they'd have a pretty decent season this year. A lot of guys were in on Golden State this year. Um, they've done well. Of course, Steph Curry's been Steph Curry, which is very helpful, uh, there as well. Denver, a lot of people were high on them coming into the season, but they've never been as healthy as they've been in the past at the very least. Um, so it doesn't seem like people are seeing them as a legit threat. Memphis had a few little injury issues. I'm intrigued by Memphis, and it seems like they're still holding on to the Andre Iguodala not wanting to play with them thing and you know, kind of using that as their unity binder, and it's working for them. I love what Memphis – If I'm trying to get my kids to love Memphis because I love what Memphis does, <laughs> especially when John Morant's healthy and out there as well. I mean, uh, do, 
outside of Phoenix, who else in the West scares you uh, as legit threats? Well, I don't know how much they scare me, but Memphis is not scared. And I think that's important. It's like they've got a bunch of young guys and a coach that hasn't been around that long and didn't play major college or pro basketball. And they're really like, no, we'll beat anyone that lines up. And, you know, I, I think we saw Phoenix beat them pretty pretty good once or twice throughout the season in a seven game series right now that series I guess would be in the Western Conference final so you've played between 10 and 14 games before then you know you mentioned Chris Paul could have the hand injury come back or you know a hammy or you know knock on I don't want to see it but like if you're playing them later yeah you know you're hoping that you know you see them at least a little tired um I so Memphis intrigues me we mentioned you know in pre-production I I guess earlier we're talking about Luka Doncic and them too. I think Luka's going to have a star run, and I don't know if it'll be this year. Um, but I could see if you t- – I mean, Luka can win you a game or two in the playoffs, and then you just got to win two out of four. Um, so do they win those two out of four? I, I say that and jinx them, and now they'll lose to Utah or Denver or whatever. Uh, but the I, I think he's that kind of a player. Um, the shame you mentioned Denver – you're a Kentucky guy. Jamal Murray not getting to come back at all this year stunk. Um, yeah. That Jokic has had in his playing tremendous basketball, incredible individual basketball, and having that sidekick like Jamal Murray, even if they had to play as a six seed because it didn't play in the regular season, would be a big, big boost. And it doesn't really look like he's going to get back, um, which sucks. Like that, it was a really good year for Jokic, but he's not that kind of a one man show. Like no one is, yeah. not anymore. Denver's a team that over the last three, four years have been so good and just come up just short a couple of times, either bad matchups or injury bug or whatever it was. And I, I, I fear that Jokic especially is gonna not going to get all the long-term um, attention that he should get because ultimately I think the team is going to kind of start to go the wrong direction. But maybe Murray comes back next season and is as good as he was and better and maybe they they take another run at it. Uh, let's get to the East. I'm keeping you a long time. I apologize. Um, <laughs> okay. In the East, uh, play-in game, you got Brooklyn, Cleveland, Atlanta, Charlotte, which is crazy. Charlotte, there, there's already the talks again about going after Russ Westbrook in the offseason. <laughs> I, I just don't get it. But I understand the Jordan connection. But anyways, um, you know, Atlanta had that big run last year, uh, beating New York. It uh, looked like Trey Young kind of established himself as who he was going to be. And I like that mentality that he showed. They've got a roster. It, it just doesn't make sense for them to be a nine seed, in my opinion. Um, they've got too many shooters, too many good things going on that roster. And they made some changes since last year. But um, out of those four play-in teams, Brooklyn's got KD, Kyrie. Uh, um, ben Simmons is not playing. It doesn't sound like ever, uh, at least this season, uh, in Brooklyn. Um, is – is KD going to take over or are they going to struggle here in the play in games? I would imagine. So in a one game sample, I will say it's scary to think that a bad shooting night for you or a good shooting night for someone else could injure playoffs before they even get started. I I would imagine that Durant is okay and they'll be fine. Um, the big thing for them is the uphill climb of say they beat the Cavs and get the seven seed on the playing game. They then got to play Milwaukee in round one. If they win that, they got to play like Boston in round two. Then they got to play Miami. Like, like they don't get a round off. And frankly, neither will the team that has to play them. The same way you typically think of a first round, you're easing. Like, if you're a team with two all stars, 
and I'd argue that they're both Hall of Famers. Like, like you would hope that like we can ease our way into this, and they really don't get to. And frankly, out the gate, I mean, they're playing Cleveland, and Cleveland has a couple of All Stars from this season. And while they've fallen off in the second half of the year, there was a really hot stretch for them at the start of the year where they can beat you in a game. Um, I, I would pick Brooklyn if we're making picks here, I guess, but. That's a tough first game. Um, the nice thing about the way the playing works is the seven eight plays and the winners in the loser plays the winner of the nine ten game, and so they're not out on a loss. They'd have to lose twice to be out. Um, I, you know, it, playing's fun for that, but I, I think I'd still pick Brooklyn. <laughs> and doesn't it stink for Milwaukee? You come through the year, you get the two seed, and first round you're looking at. Kevin Durant, Kyrie Irving. I mean, uh, you're probably writing the governor right now and saying, hey, we need a new mask mandate. We need a new mandate. Uh, you know, immediately put in, in Milwaukee and, and let's let's get this taken care of. But, I mean, that's got to stink. And, and they're a good team. Milwaukee's a good team, uh, obviously. And they, I think they can beat Brooklyn. But uh, that being said, that's not an easy matchup after you finish the season as the two seed. No, and I – both teams look a little different than they did in the playoffs last year. Um, but you got to remember Brooklyn, if KD wears a size 12, they win that game, right? They, 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 and Milwaukee won the whole thing, and that's how good Brooklyn was a year ago. So as Brooklyn's getting their sea legs under them, we'll see how it goes. There was some report today about there's a chance Ben Simmons is back by some point in the playoffs if they play long enough. And it still seems kind of murky as to when that could be. I don't know how integrating a player into your team, even if he's a really good player like Ben Simmons will work, uh, but they are really hoping that he solves all the defensive issues. Cause right now I'm like yourself, I would pick M- Milwaukee just because I don't know how they keep Giannis from getting to the rim. And mm-hmm. if he does get to the rim, I don't know how they keep him from kicking it out to Compton, Middleton, Drew. Like he, he had all those guys for shooters. Um, I, I would imagine Milwaukee wins. It's just a really tough first round matchup. Um, and Ben Simmons, I don't know how he'd help, but I, I you know, I, I hadn't seen it yet. Right. Um, Toronto had a big step up this year, uh, coming back after a, a, not a great year last year. Philadelphia, they're the interesting team, right? Joel Embiid's the scoring champ this year. Of course, LeBron sat out the last couple of games, to, which, and then uh, I think Giannis sat out the last game, which ultimately gave it to Embiid. Um, again, I'm not a Harden fan, I'm not an Embiid fan. Uh, but I'm a huge Tyrese Maxey fan, so uh, let's go Tyrese. <laughs> go Blue. Um, <laughs> go Philadelphia. Cats. Yeah, Philadelphia, though, they're legit. I mean, they're, they're going to be a threat. They're well-coached. They got top-end talent on the team. I still don't think that Harden is a championship player. Not that he doesn't have the talent. He, he for sure has the talent. But I, I just haven't seen enough out of him. Um, can, he, can he be the guy? that leads a team to the championship. He's been close. Um, again, I'm not trying to knock his ability. I just don't see it. Um, and I'm kind of that way with Embiid too, although my respect for Embiid is growing by each year. Um, Philadelphia, they'd have to beat out some pretty solid teams too. And, and of course get through Miami more than likely uh, get through Milwaukee or Boston more than likely. Um, you know, are, can they be a threat this year? So I, I like what Philly's doing. I think the interesting thing is when they were really successful, admittedly against some of the you know weaker teams in the East, but when this trade first happened, it was 
spamming the pick and roll with Embiid and Harden and how do you cover it? How do you cover it? How do you cover it? As the year's gone on, they've become more of a my turn, your turn isolation. They might start in a pick and roll to get the switch and then they go my turn, your turn. And I, I just don't think that's the same recipe for success. Um, I, I really think that the, the interesting threat they had was putting, you know, with the ball in Harden's hands, how does Embiid perform as a, you know, as a three level roller, like so talk about a three level scorer, a three level roller, he can hit the three, he can hit the mid range and drive, or he can hit the rim. Um, and that does, frankly, lessen Joel Embiid's impact in a way that I don't think he was appreciating. It, it appears to be because he, he started isolating more. Um, I, I think the shame here is is that this is not uh, James Harden's thirty two and putting a lot of wear and tear on his body in the last six or seven years. And I, you know, three years ago, I think this pairing is a whole different pairing. Um, I, he's just not quite the same guy, and that he's not quite as quick as he used to be. You know, quickness is one of the first things you see leave. He was never the defender, right? Um, and so it, it it was it left that end as well um, to win. So in the first round, they play Toronto, and you know Toronto's young and fun. But I would I would think Philadelphia wins that series. In the second round, they got to turn and play Miami, and I'll play Miami and win against Miami. You know, Maxi has to play well, and Maxi has to play well in a way that outshines Tyler Hero and and those guys because that's kind of the next the equivalent role, young, you know, mm-hmm. high score, you know, volume shooter kind of guy. He has to outplay Tyler Hero in a way that. Maxi Maxi does really well with the ball in his hands. He doesn't move without the ball like shooters do. He shoots the ball okay. Um, And frankly, it's like, is Maxi able to outplay Tyler Hero? You know, you also need Harden to outplay Jimmy Butler and Joel Embiid to outplay Bam and something with Kyle Lowry. Like, Miami's a tough, tough matchup. And that would be a second-round matchup in the East, as chaos as that is. And um, I, I I don't know if I see them getting past that, which is how we get to Doc Rivers getting fired, right? <laughs> is it, <laughs> in some sort of a weird conspiracy theory. It, maybe that's the setup is that they fire Doc Rivers because they don't get out of the second round and then they go get some third star because that's what the NBA is these days and yeah. and rebuild from there. Um, but I you got to think when you have an MVP candidate in Embiid and you add a former MVP in Harden, you do have higher hopes in the second round and the East is just so good. I don't know if they get out of it. Yeah. Let's get to Miami and then we'll wrap it up. Uh, Miami is the one seed. Tyler hero is an absolute stud. Bam Adebayo is an absolute stud. Uh, Butler seems to have found his niche in Miami. Um, similar to his early days in Chicago, I would say, but he kind of went through a stage there where he was trying to find the right role, the right team, all that kind of stuff. He seems like he's found it right now in Miami and, I mean, the talent level, again, good deep roster, well-coached. Uh, they've been there, done that, um, you know, not that long ago. In the bubble, they were in the, in the championship game when they weren't supposed to be. Now they're supposed to be there. Can they live up to that expectation? So I, I have a hard time. If I were, if I were a gambling man, I, I, I would have a hard time putting them past Milwaukee right now. But, and this is where matchups come down to play, if they got into a situation where they were not playing Milwaukee, I mm-hmm. think they match up with Boston, Philly, Toronto, Chicago, Brooklyn. Like I think they match up with the rest of the teams pretty well. It's when they play Milwaukee and you see a lot of Bam on Giannis 
Giannis's whole thing to me has always been it's not about the guy you have on him it's about who's got like the wall behind him right like who's at the rim and if Giannis goes by bam they don't have a lot of size back there right like Duncan Robinson is like a six eight but not a big uh, yeah. Jimmy Butler plays bigger than he is. Kyle Lowry plays bigger than he is, but they're not very big. I I worry about that in a lot of ways. And then if you slide over with Lowry to take a charge, again, we're back to kickouts. We're back to secondary. Like I, I worry about that happening on that. I just think that's a bad matchup. Whereas if they didn't have to play Milwaukee, if Brooklyn beats Milwaukee in the second round or something we talked about, then all of a sudden I'm like, oh, I can see Miami getting out of this. You know, um, that's just, and that's unfortunate, but we saw a little bit different rosters, right, um, a year ago. But in the first round, we saw Milwaukee take care of them in five games. <laughs> that that I, I don't think I'm crazy for thinking that has some pre- that sets some precedent for how things will go this year. Um, I I like Miami a lot. I, I, I mentioned to you a second ago, I, Bam Adebayo is my most fun watches in the NBA these days. Jimmy Butler, when you talk about competitive drive, that Kobe stuff, like Jimmy mm-hmm. Butler's got some of that in him. Not Kobe, but like he's got some of it in him. Um, Kyle Lowry's a chubby point guard. He's a chubby guy myself. I kind of like chubby point guards. You know, like, like, just those kinds of things, you know. Um, they're just yeah. – I just don't – I don't see him going past Milwaukee. Uh, it's a tough matchup. My dream scenario is Miami and Phoenix. Uh, lots of big blue nation represented there. Yeah. Um, yeah. But, again, not watching much of the regular season. My kids have watched more than I have, so I listen to them a little bit. Um, if you had to say right now – uh, your your East versus West winners, who would those be? I'd have Milwaukee and Phoenix part two. Um, okay. And frankly, I'd probably pick Milwaukee, although it's way more fun if Phoenix wins because <laughs> then it's like then next year's part three. You know, like, like it's way more yeah. fun if that happens. Um, what I love – so, I, I, again, if I were a gambling man, I'd pick Milwaukee and Phoenix and, and probably pick Milwaukee – You've got to appreciate as as a small market guy, th- those are two teams that are not on a coast. They're not in a big city, <laughs> like and frankly have a lot of homegrown talent. Like that's what the NBA needs to be selling is look at the teams that are actually good. <laughs> yes, yes, that's a great point, Parker. Um, yeah, hundred percent. Phoenix too. I mean, they're so fun to watch. Milwaukee's fun to watch. There's a lot of fun teams uh, currently in the NBA. Less, you know fuddy-duddy teams like the Harden – I know you're a Rockets fan, but the Harden Rockets <laughs> days just weren't a lot of fun to watch if you, unless you were a Rockets fan when they were winning. Um, but Phoenix is a great place. They've been so close so many times, and uh, to get over the edge for the first time in a long time would be great for them. Uh, the heartache of all the Nash-era Nash playoff losses oh man well and then the barkley years and the marley years like it just keeps on going to phoenix yeah yeah good teams haven't been able to get over the edge maybe they will this year and honestly monty williams is there a better coach more deserving of success than monty and the the, you know not just through his personal adversity but he's just a solid individual and uh those are the kind of guys you like to see get rewarded uh, Parker, tell everybody about FN Sports and other uh, uh, things that you're involved in, where people can find you and, and hear you at. 
Yeah, so as we started off with, a, I write for Belly Up Sports. You can find all my stuff there at bellyupsports.com. Um, my Twitter at Painsworth512, P-A-I-N-S-W-R-T-H-512, is where I push all that stuff whenever it comes out. And then I do the show F in Sports. I'm a teacher by day, and so we grade sports topics and, you know, theses with hot takes and those kind of things. And uh, it's actually up to, we're coming out three days a week these days, um, Monday, Wednesday, Friday. Um, you know, the Fridays are a little bit more fun, silly fan episodes and <laughs> my my dogs say it's time time to wrap it up. Uh, my kids have been gone for two weeks and they're coming home any second now and they might be here. I'm not sure. But, well, uh, on that note, I'll let you get to it. But anyway, check out Evan yeah. Sports. It's a fun show. <laughs> it's a great show. Evan Sports is a phenomenal show. And uh, catch all of Parker's articles and things as well on bellyup.com. Parker, thanks for being with us today. Everybody else, thanks for watching and tuning in today as well. Until next time, we'll see you around the sports stove.